Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Shaver, joined by Brian Christofferson here on a Tuesday. Brian, how are you doing? Uh, I would say I'm doing pretty good, considering it's dreary as heck outside. It's disgusting to look out there. Really feels like Masters week, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful. <clears throat> and there are leaves like pot. I haven't got to my leaves yet. It's just ridiculous. The leaves have just overtaken my, my yard and they're, they're beating me down and they're hurting me mentally. I'm looking out there and thinking I'm going to have to take that on and it's not good. How much would I have to pay you to get you to, to come over here and take on my leaves too? Because this is the most, <clears throat> most leaves I've ever had in the backyard uh and it's daunting like i have a fire pit back there and the leaves have covered the fire pit it looks like a giant leaf pile i've never seen mm. it like this before i would do it for only two hundred dollars um <laughs> and i think we could i think we could make a bad movie of this you know one of my favorite movies that should have won an oscar uh is maximum overdrive uh, starring a young Emilio Estevez when uh, trucks and machines come to life and stuff. And I think we could do something with, with nature and the leaves coming, coming at us or overtaking us. Okay. I could, uh, I, I've never seen maximum overdrive. So I, feel like <laughs> I think it gets like a 22. I'd have to look it up, but I believe the rotten tomatoes percentage on it is, it's quite low. Uh, that feels like a great board thread where we just ask people what their favorite movie is that has the lowest score on Rotten Tomatoes. It's actually a terrible movie, uh, but sort of like terribly good, you know? Um, okay, no. uh, lots of people have movies that they like that uh, aren't well liked by the critics. I mean, the first one that comes to mind for me is Down Periscope with Kelsey Grammer on the submarine. Have you ever seen that? I have not. Yeah, it's like a mid-90s movie. I think I watched it a million times when I was a kid. Uh, always always really enjoyed it. It has like a, a young Rob Schneider and an even younger Patton Oswalt. Uh, <laughs> one line. And I, I had forgotten about that until he had mentioned it one time. So that was, uh, that was exciting for me to rediscover when I watched this movie, I would say, last year at some point. Because that's, that's how I live my life. Oh, Real quick, did you ever did you ever see a Patton Oswalt movie where he's a he's a Giants fan? Oh yeah, big fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I strangely enjoyed that. Yeah, it was the weirdest movie concept <laughs> because it was based on the fact that this guy was a huge Giants fan, and he call in and talk smack to another fan of the Eagles. Yes, on like the sports uh, <laughs> talk show. And then the, the smack talk got a little too real and Pat and Oswald tracked the guy down. And so uh, just sort of a, uh, a bizarre movie, but it was enjoyable. It, was it wasn't, I didn't think it was that far from reality, probably what goes on with Giants and Eagles fans. Uh, by the way, uh, Maximum Overdrive gets a 15% from Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, I'm going to um, create that thread. We'll see who, who wants to admit to liking a movie that comes in even lower than 15%. So we'll, uh, We'll we'll see how that how that plays out. I guess we 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 talked a little inkling of football there before we dive into Nebraska. Are you are you feeling this turnaround from the Minnesota Vikings yet? Yeah, um, actually, there it's enough of a turnaround that they're going to get to eight and eight and not make the playoffs, but uh, completely hurt their draft stock. And yeah, it's going to be the worst kind of turnaround <laughs> where they're right in the middle. 
Yeah, well, eight and eight still hits on the under for those of us who were out on the Vikings at the beginning of the year. I know we man. we don't mind we don't mind your prediction of eight and eight right now. So, uh, I I don't know. I they they've looked good in back to back weeks. I don't know what to do with myself. They got the Bears this next week, so that'll go poorly for them. I I feel like the Bears are uh, are Northwestern to the Vikings, Nebraska. That's how I feel about it when the Bears and the Vikings play. That's a pretty good comparison. Uh, not great on offense yet still uh, find a way to win 17 to 13 or 21, you know, something like that. That's, that's, that's a good, uh, good, yeah. good connection. Both in the state of Illinois, both with groundskeepers that feel like their field should look like trash at all times. I thought uh, it looked all right Saturday. Yeah. You know, it did. I do have to be careful with that for being a, uh, an early November game. I've seen Ryan field look in a lot worse condition than it has. So that's, yeah. that, that's fair. All right, well, let's, let's dive into this. So we, we've heard Scott Frost after the postgame on Saturday. We heard him again on Monday. Obviously, the big question, and we're going to spend a little bit of time on this because I want your thoughts on it, uh, is going to be Adrian Martinez versus Luke McCaffrey. But I'm curious, was there anything said by Frost or the players on Monday that made you perk up a little bit, that caught your attention, uh, that you you maybe weren't thinking of. Did, did anything jump out to you from Monday's press conference? I wouldn't say anything shocked me, and I know a lot of people are to that point where they say it's, you know, it's just the same old, same old every week till they win. Some people are just kind of tired of hearing any quotes at all. Um, I did think Frost talking about the wide receivers and – um, kind of laying out the situation, which I thought he was pretty candid about, um, was worthwhile. And uh, I mean, basically, the idea there is uh, they're going to have to bring the menu items down to play some of these younger guys because they just don't know the full menu yet. Um, so you're either going to have to live with that where you bring it down to select items that you these guys can operate with or they're just not going to be able to play until they, they figure it all out. I sort of have the hunch they're, go, they're leaning toward the direction of paring it down as much as they can to get these guys on the field. And the reason I think that is based in the fourth quarter. I mean, I think we saw the loss may have disappointed some fans, but I do think we saw a potential shift maybe at the quarterback spot. And also, I mean, you had Xavier Betts pop up suddenly with back-to-back catches there in the second to last drive of a one score game. I mean, usually a true freshman does not make his first catch right. in a one score game. It's usually like a 30, you know, a 34, 10 game or something. And he gets a garbage catch. Uh, this was different. Um, and then Marcus Fleming was honestly, he played a whole lot in the game. Yeah. Um, he was out there the first series, the last series. So I think Fleming, we already know he's part of it. And now the question is, can you get the other three newcomers to arrive? The thing I've thought about the most since Saturday, Schaefer, is we're talking a lot about the red zone failures and stuff, and I get that. But part of the problem, as I think about the offense in the last couple of years, is there's too, there's too many trips to the red zone, if that makes sense. It's supposed to be an offense where we thought there was going to be these like 45-yard haymakers thrown in there you know where you have these explosive weapons who they get in space and they take it to the house and you avoid some of these 12 to 13 play drives 
maybe you credit the Big Ten defenses and stout defenses like Northwestern for kind of standing in the way of that. Um, but but Nebraska's lack of explosions um, actually jumps out to me as much as the red zone failures because they're having to make all those trips down there in that compact area where they're just not built to thrive necessarily. And so uh, somehow, some way, you got to find in the next few weeks three or four guys who can stretch a field and uh, and be a guy who's a uh, you know can put up a forty-five yard play on any given down. And that's that's where the newcomers come in. That's a great point. I mean, that's a that's a really good point. Nebraska does have an absence of of forty-yard uh, plus plays. I think they only have one so far this season. That is a Luke McCaffrey forty-seven yard run, and so. Um, you know, that's a, that's a really astute point. I've definitely been someone hammering on the fact that they've struggled in the red zone. The, the reason I think that they also have issues getting big plays is that they don't have anything that they're doing particularly well outside of the quarterback run game. And Adrian Martinez had a 28 yard run on, uh, on Saturday. And so they, they, they'll get these chunk yardage plays, but they don't get enough other big plays or they're not successful enough, like you said, to, to be able to sustain the, the 12 play drive consistently and then finish it in the end zone. Uh, what are, I mean, the, the difference of, of Saturday's game in a lot of ways to me, Northwestern got inside Nebraska's 10 twice and they scored both times on, on passing touchdowns. They were able to, to complete those drives. Uh, it didn't look pretty from Northwestern. They didn't outside of the, the Anderson touchdown run. They didn't really have a lot of big yardage plays. I mean, the the two biggest plays for them in the second half were actually a punt return and a kick return, and otherwise they they were able to kind of sustain a couple drives and pick up key third downs. And then when they got in the red zone, they finished it off. And so it, it is definitely a combination of, of like you said the the lack of big plays and the the fact that they aren't able to to finish drives when they they are in the red zone. Some of it to me though, I mean. If we're talking lack of big plays, you got to be able to get Diedrich Mills going if you want this run game to be more than just your quarterbacks. He only averaged three point uh, what one yards a carry against Northwestern, and they didn't get him the ball that much against Ohio State. Wandell Robinson needs a hell of a lot more touches if we're going to talk about big play potential. And and so I, I think you're absolutely onto something. They haven't gotten the giant chunk yard plays, but I also feel like the way the offense has been set up predominantly a lot of quarterback run game, you're, you're taking the opportunity for those big plays from your other potential playmakers a little bit away. And so that's something yeah. I kind of want to see this, this week. I mean, it, I don't know how much of that Maryland Penn state game you watched, but a lot of Maryland's big plays were just simple to attack or to his brother, excuse me, Talia Tagovailoa, just hitting Rakeem Jarrett on a slant. When's the last time you saw Nebraska hit a wide receiver on a drag route or a slant? And then they just let the receiver go to work. I mean, there hasn't been a lot of yards after catch uh, so far for this offense. I mean, just simple things. And so it, I don't think they're far from turning this into a more productive offense, but it just feels like they keep slamming their head against the wall, thinking they're going to break through on, on the same thing. And it's the same stuff that trips them up. Yeah. I mean, the story to me now, it's not just about wins and losses. It's by the end of November, are we looking at the wide receiver spot and, and kind of being like, okay, they've got something here, you know, that is growing and going to be around for the next couple of years with these guys and uh, that you're feeling good about. And if that's the case, 
the other stuff's going to, that we're talking about is going to come attached with that, you know, the bigger plays and stuff. Cause that's what those guys were supposed to bring. You know, that's what Fleming, Alante Brown, Omar Manning, um, Omar, Omar's an interesting story going forward. I didn't expect that he was going to be a big part of things Saturday. So I, I sort of didn't think that was a significant storyline. Um, cause I felt like it, the storyline was honestly that he was there. And now I think going forward, it's about, okay, what's he going to contribute now that he's been in practices consistently and all that stuff. Um, so he obviously has to take off. But Xavier Betts, I think sometimes we always put Omar Manning first in that conversation. Xavier Betts is an impressive looking athlete. Yeah. And uh, he's going to be here for multiple, you know, he's got more eligibility ahead of him. Um, so the fact that he was out there playing in that game at the end, I thought was a really, that was a good sign amid the uh, kind of ugliness of it. Do you, let's, Let's kind of dive into this a little bit. Do you do you feel comfortable handicapping Luke McCaffrey, Adrian Martinez at this point, or do you do you think that uh, it could go either way still uh, on Saturday? Who's getting that first snap? I think it could go either way. I would sort of be surprised if McCaffrey didn't start, though. Um, sort of because this would be the second time uh, that. Uh, you know, if they had a face-off, so to speak, that they went with Martinez in, in like where it's even Steven and then they pick Martinez because that was they made that decision after fall camp. So I sort of don't think they're going to do the same thing. And also, you know, Luke made a mistake there on the on the interception. Uh, he had, actually there was a couple. That's why it's interesting to get coaches feedback a couple days after because Scott Frost said some things about the goal line stuff that was interesting. Um, when they had it first and goal on the two, they ran the ball with Diedrich Mills and he lost two yards. And um, a lot of people didn't like the call or whatever, but it just wasn't blocked well. And Travis Vokalek kind of looked like he messed up when you watched it back because McCaffrey was pointing like he was supposed to block somebody. And uh, maybe that was the case. But as Scott Frost explained it um, on Monday, you know, that it didn't sound like Luke got him in the right set there. Um, and so that's, and he said, you know, that's first year stuff. So I'll, all I'm saying is Luke's exciting and a thrill a minute. And I think, uh, provides a spark, but there are going to be things like that, that we don't notice right off the bat that coaches do, which maybe gives them some hesitancy where he, you're still figuring some things out. Um, but the bottom line is Luke had made that mistake on the interception and they could have brought Martinez back in, you know, with two minutes left. Um, and so when they went with McCaffrey and then they drove it all the way down to the 14 yard line with him again, I sort of got the feeling that might transition into this next week. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're right. Um, I think we're probably seeing McCaffrey against Penn state. I, I do think people need to prepare themselves. Like this is, this is generally what happens when there's uh, a starting quarterback and he struggles and people just assume the backup's going to be the magical answer. You hit on it. I mean, Luke McCaffrey's going to have his own struggles. He has just as many turnovers as Adrian so far this year uh, in less playing time at that quarterback spot. Uh, I think he's very exciting. I think that he processes and, and gets the ball out really quickly, uh, but there's going to be some limitations to what Nebraska can do. But I do like the idea of just trying something because I do I do wonder if they run Adrian Martinez out there and they struggle against Penn State. 
if you don't just lose a lot of the, you know, the fan base for one, but also some of the guys in that locker room too. And, and they're going to say the right things publicly, but I, I think that they are ready for a potential change too. I, I mean, this is a team that has over 800 yards of offense through two games against Ohio state and Northwestern, two pretty good defenses, you know, teams that might be playing each other in the, in the division, you know, winner championship game in, in Indy and Nebraska only has 30 points to show for it. So I, I would imagine there's guys on that offense that probably are, are looking for something a little bit different, but just because it's different doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to go perfectly. And I'm, so I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, and we will, uh, we will see, do you, we'll get into Penn state. Obviously we're going to have a hype cast later this week. We got another special guest joining us for the first time on it, but just kind of looking ahead to this Penn state game a little bit, BC. I mean, do you, do you feel like Nebraska is going to be in this as well? Or um, are you worried that they're going to get an angry Nittany lion group on Saturday? I, uh, I don't think it's in Nebraska's favor that Penn state's on three. I don't. Um, I, I, I know some people see that and they're like, oh, OK, Penn State's really laboring and they they sort of are. Uh, but I feel like, y- you know, as someone who, who knows recruiting as well as you do, that they have stacked up some pretty good athletes all over the all over the field. And uh, I feel like it, it, it's it's going to be a tough matchup. I, I you know that honestly, they lost to Indiana in a game where they out yarded them by like 300 yards they lost Ohio state because Ohio state's Ohio state. And then, you know, they had a really kind of puzzling game against Maryland uh, that makes you pause and say, what's going on there is James Franklin lost them. But I, I suspect uh, they're sort of the, in that wounded animal territory. And I think that wounded animal spot is always uh, makes for a dangerous team uh, if they've got talent. So Honestly, I think Nebraska might be better off if Penn State were two and one coming in here than than zero and three. That's sort of how I feel about it. But who knows? Maybe maybe Penn State guys are like, oh, you know, we we're not going to hit our goals this year. Uh, this this year sucks. Let's kind of just wade through it. And if that's the case, who knows? But I I do think real quick back to what you were saying about McCaffrey. I think part of the reason you got to maybe start him is because I think there's sort of a same old, same old vibe in the air right now with Husker football, and the players certainly feel that in this a community like this where football is so important. And I think the idea of, you know, throwing McCaffrey in there from the start immediately kind of changes that narrative and that, and that dynamic. You know what I mean? Like sort of like, okay, it's a, it's, here's something fresh. Let's see what happens. And that gives you a jolt. So I think for that reason alone, it's maybe worth it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, I, I One of the things I've been hard on Scott Frost uh, coming out of this game, but I do appreciate that he was willing to change that up, that he was willing to try something different after that interception uh, on what should have been a touchdown pass to Austin Allen. It was a good play call. It was set up. It just didn't get executed, and that's been too much of the problem for Nebraska, especially in the passing game this year. All right, BC, let's take a timeout. We'll come back. We're actually going to switch gears entirely. We're going to dive into a little local high school football. Uh, We are in the semifinals for the Nebraska State playoffs. A lot of upsets. Three number one seeds knocked out on Friday. We will kind of dive into where things sit in some of the top classes, where Nebraska's commitments sit, uh, which ones are still playing, which ones are out, and all that stuff. So we're going to jump into that when we come back here on the Husker 24-7 podcast. 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. All right, and we are back. BC, I know that you you probably were able to follow it super close, but by now you know the news. Bellevue West, one of the top teams in the state, the returning state champion. What what do you make of Bellevue West getting knocked out in the quarterfinals? This is as big of an upset as we've kind of seen in the high school playoffs in some time. To a team in Kearney, good team, but Bell West beat them 49 to 13 earlier in the year. And they lost. Not only did they lose, Kearney had the uh, the cojones, if you will, to go for two in overtime put everything on the line on one play and they were able to get it in the corner of the end zone. Yeah. I won't act like I'm an expert on this, this territory, but I, I did know that bell West, you know, spanked them pretty good earlier in the season. And it's a perfect example of why I think co- football coaches in general hate these rematches. I've, you know, we've seen this before, even at Nebraska's level where the, the year they beat Washington by 35 points. And then they saw them again in the holiday bowl you know, one team, even as much as their coaches are preaching to them, you got to be ready for this game. They're in the back of your mind. You're thinking we beat these guys 49, 14, you know, we can handle them. And the other side is like, we're better now let's show it. And there's sort of a mental edge. I think that goes to the team that is trying to get revenge. Um, so that's a heck of a win by Carney uh, West side still to me, looks like the favorite uh, they, they've been a team on a mission all year. Uh, but I, I'll tell you what the Carney thing did. It, it kind of disrupted it because it, I would say that the Class A playoffs usually around here sort of follow the formula you expect. You know what I mean? Like it always sort of the Shocking. puzzle fit. Yeah, it fits together just like you think it's going to. It's sort of like the NBA playoffs in a way. I think that like you kind of can project it sometimes um, almost before it begins on certain sides of the bracket. And so I – because of that, it it I feel bad for the Bellevue West kids and Michael Huffman, but that it does kind of spice it up a little bit that we actually had something that wasn't supposed to happen actually come true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, and I, I wrote about this, I just didn't think 
Carney had enough offensive firepower. I mean, Bell West has some of the best playmakers in the state. The one question they kind of had was, can the, their quarterback be consistent enough? And, and they put up 40-some points. They just couldn't get enough stops, which is a little surprising because they had a pretty good defense, too. And so he changes the dynamic of what Class A sort of looks like moving forward. And it opens the door for Teddy Prohaska and Elkhorn South. And I got to see Prohaska on Friday against Lincoln Southeast in a game that was really a mirror image matchup. Two teams that want to grind out against each other, uh, that they just want to run the ball and they want to chew clock and they want to play good defense. They want to keep that game, you know, inside of 20 points um, just because that's the way that they play. And so that's what, you know, Elkhorn South, Lincoln Southeast looked like for most of that game until a couple mistakes from Southeast uh, caught up with them. And, and one real big play from Elkhorn South was uh, allowed them to kind of flip that. And I think they won 28, uh, seven, I think was what the final ended up being, but it was a, uh, I mean, it was, it was 14, seven all the way into the end of the, the third quarter, beginning of the fourth, and then a couple late touchdowns there, but it opens a door for Elkhorn South, a program that moved from class B to class A. They've got a bunch of uh, talent on that team. You know, you've, you've got a guy going to, to Northern Illinois and Makai Nelson Douglas. You got Teddy Prohaska on the offensive line. Isaac Zadiska, that I think is a, a you know, people aren't going to like this, but I think he's a better technical offensive lineman than Prohaska is right now. I, I think Teddy has a long way to go uh, to, to fulfill, um, you know, the, the future cornerstone left tackle role that a lot of people expect for him, or, or maybe right tackle might be a better fit, but I, I think he's going to be a guy by the time he gets there, but he's, he's still several, several years uh, of learning how to play the offensive line position. And the great thing for a Teddy Prohaska, Brian, is that he's going to be entering the deepest offensive line room that we've seen in some time. So it's, it's nice for a guy like that, that there's not going to be a, the expectation. He has to be a starter in his first two years. And I think that's really going to help him out as, as he kind of learns going forward. So he's, he's still in the mix amongst Nebraska commitments, and then you mentioned Omaha West Side. That means Colby Bretts uh, is still playing. And he has been really good this year. The amount of people that I trust in the Metro that watch a lot of high school football that have seen more Bell West than I have are telling me that Colby Bretts has made uh, a pretty phenomenal jump this, his senior year. And I know he was a guy that you really liked when you've seen him play because of his athleticism. And people are saying that he is, is looking better and better going forward. He's still pretty big. He's still a guy that's really sort of unique in how Nebraska is going to use him. I think he'll start uh, in that kind of defensive back, outside linebacker sort of Venn diagram, and he's going to end up in one of those two spots. But I think Colby Bretz is going to – the further we get into this class and the closer we get to signing day, that's going to be one of those sneaky, really nice additions that Nebraska fans are going to love down the line. Well, as Coach at Westside said, Kobe makes plays – he's never seen in like, you know, 25 years of coaching, you know, at, at practice, sometimes he'll do something where you're just like, wow, how, how, how did that guy do that? So um, he's, he's definitely uh, a freak athlete um, alongside Avante Dickerson. I mean, they, they, they've just got a nice tandem and obviously um, their quarterback situation is pretty good too with, with Cole Payton. So, I mean, they're, they're just a good high school team that thinks it's their turn. You know, I feel like, you know, Nebraska football's had that like years back in their glory time when it was like refuse to lose type seasons where they just thought it was their turn. And I feel like that's kind of where Westside is right now. Um, so uh, that, that, uh, 
I would I would pick them as the favorite uh, still. They play Millard South, correct? I believe uh, yeah. this week. Yep, that is uh, that is accurate. Millard South and and Bell West, or excuse me, Millard South and Omaha West Side should be a heck of a game. I keep thinking that the that Millard South's offense is going to run out on it, and I I actually like Creighton Prep to pull the upset this last week with AJ Rollins, who you know when I first saw him didn't have a catch in his game against Omaha West Side. He has really finished his his senior season strong. Uh, Creighton Prep played pretty well towards the end. Uh, Alec Bullock, a, a teammate of his that I think a, a walk-on guy for Nebraska uh, that I know they really like, and he's borderline to some of the people over there near a scholarship. I, I think they're going to try to get him in the fold. He had a great season. Uh, so those guys are, are done playing. James Carney, unfortunately, for Nebraska – uh, and, and Norris, they're out after getting knocked out by Aurora here this, this last weekend, uh, five over a four seed there. Norris had a really nice season. They kind of ran out of juice towards the end. I mean, they, they got beat up pretty bad by Waverly, lost, or almost lost to Beatrice, and then uh, fell against Aurora. But he had another, you know, another touchdown and a bunch of receptions. He had a statistically as good of a year as really any of Nebraska's commitments, save for maybe Thomas Fedoni. And I, I think James Carney, Brian, is going to be a player that uh, is going to help Nebraska early in his career. I just, the way he's built, uh, what he did to put himself in position to be recruited. And then he just went out and produced and he did it in every game. He did it against the best teams. He did it against the worst teams. Uh, He was always there and he did it on both sides of the ball. I just think he's a good football player. Um, You know, and I, I think again, another guy that Nebraska fans are going to be pretty excited coming out of this class. He's a Carney is quite a story, um, just sort of a big picture story of like a recruit who amid this COVID-19 and all the obstacles in front of him overcame him. And I think it's really, I mean, the way if you had told him like a year ago, this is how 2020 is going to go, all the things that are going to be in front of you and obstacles you're going to have to overcome if I were a guy like him, I would have thought, man, that's going to really screw with my opportunity here, you know, to, to get what I want to get. And he went out and still did it. And he, you know, he just kept getting better and better. Like you say, and uh, Fedone's team got knocked out. I saw, huh? Yep. By Harlan. Yep. Um, so that, that was interesting. And the, they lost in the quarterfinals. I did notice, you know, Scott Frost had kind of a, a passionate moment yesterday where he was talking about the toll, the losing takes on him basically. Um, and how much this means to him and um, had a very heartfelt, um, you know, kind of lines about what it's like to, you know, be a Husker in and out all your life and coach this team and not be winning games. And uh, that kind of got passed around on social media and Thomas Fedone, um, you know, tweeted, you know, he's, he's the, he's the only man who can fix it. And Latrell Neville kind of weighed in and Frosty trust. So, that was just a little, you know, sidebar to it. Some recruits kind of showing their support for Scott Frost as they try to figure things out. Yeah, no, and they, they believe in him. Um, they absolutely do. And I don't think there's going to be a lot of wavering from people in this this recruiting class. Part of that is the way Nebraska goes out and they recruit. I mean, I, they want guys pretty well locked in on things. And it's a regional heavy class. And a lot of them have a lot of experience with Scott Frost and this coaching staff. And it's a personal thing. And so – Outside of Patrick Payton, there's not a lot of guys that I'm, I'm too, you know, even really on my radar that, that might be looking at other teams. And even with Patrick Payton, some of it is just he's really good right now. He's, yeah. he's elevated himself to the schools in Florida, can't ignore him. 
And they're looking at a Nebraska program that's struggling a little bit. Miami's come back in a little bit for them. And so we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I, I still think that, you know, with Patrick Payton, that's going to end up good for Nebraska. It's just going to take a little bit of time and, and they could use a little help with, with some better playing on the field as well. Of course, now I want to finish this with uh, Heinrich Harburg, Nebraska's quarterback commit has Carney Catholic in the semifinals. It'll be taking on Adam central a team. They beat earlier this year. That game will be in Hastings on Friday. I am thinking I will be in attendance for that one, whether pending. Uh, but I, uh, I, I want to see Heinrich Harburg. He has really played well since the third game of the season, St. Paul, uh, through Carney Catholic for a loop. They changed their offense a little bit. They've leaned into having him run the ball a little bit more, uh, and their defense has really picked up. I know you watched Harburg at the first game of the season against Wood River. Uh, you know what kind of athlete he is. I'm hearing good things about kind of how he has played this year as well, and and he really wants, just like everybody, but he really wants the, the sort of uh, symmetry that someone like Garrett Nelson got you end your high school career and where you're going to play your, your football at the, the college level. He wants that opportunity to play in front of the fans at Memorial stadium with Carney Catholic. And they've got a, a tough matchup this week with Adam central who knocked off Ashland Greenwood and Matthew Schuster. I was hoping we were going to get a, a Matthew Schuster Heinrich Harburg matchup here. Uh, but uh, we will, we'll see what, what Harburg is able to do uh, this week as well. All right, Brian, any, uh, any final thoughts before we wrap this thing up? I think we covered uh, what we need to. Uh, there'll be a lot of stuff on the site here in the next couple of days. There's some, uh, we're, we're actually uh, taping this right now just before media access with the coordinators and um, another assistant coach and a few players. So we'll see what comes out of that, but uh, see what Matt Lubick has to say about his wide receivers, but we'll have all that stuff on the site. Okay. Well, we're, our next podcast is going to be on Thursday. The masters will have gotten underway. Are you, are you ready to make your pick yet? I know that you, you've given us picks for most of the big events. Well, who you got this time out? Um, I will say uh, Tony Finau. Oh, wow. Uh, wins the Masters. Tony Finau, who I believe is still looking for his first ever win. Is that right? Yeah, I think he is. Uh, he's always right there, though, you know. Um, oh, yeah, he is. Um, and he's it's, great. He's, what, are the, what are the odds on him? Tony Finau's odds. Let's pull them up right now. We're going to use Sportsline because they're a partner of 24-7 Sports, and people can check out Sportsline if they want. Uh, hit up our buddy Alan Bell. Nice plug. He'll even get you a, a discount because that's what Alan Bell can do for the people. Um, but I am not finding this as quickly as I want. Who do you got? I'm going to take Patrick Cantlay. Um, he, okay. he was in the mix. If people remember anything beyond just Tiger winning last year, it was a star-studded group at the top. You had, you had Tiger. You had Francisco Molinari, who has, since Tiger passed him, Molinari has fallen off the face of the earth in golf. It's kind of a sad story. Uh, you, had, you had Brooks Kepka was making a run. Dustin Johnson made a run. And then Patrick Cantlay was hanging around and he was one shot back. He ended up tied for ninth. Uh, so I kind of went into the, the golf season thinking that was maybe going to be my, my long shot odds play, but uh, he is Cantlay is he's now down to plus 2000 and Tony Finau is plus 
3300 So if you mm-hmm. were to put $10 on Tony Finau in a legal gambling establishment, you would get a $330 payout if he were to win. Something to think about, isn't it? Yeah, there really is. And, uh, you know, there might be legal gambling establishments in Nebraska someday, too. So maybe we'll be doing our shows from a horse track at some point in our life. Is Bryson the favorite? Is he like the odds favorite? He is the odds favorite. DeChambeau at uh, plus 750. John Rahm, who's got a lot of steam behind his name for this one as well. He is uh, plus 1100. And Dustin Johnson, plus 1200. Rory, plus 1100. Justin Thomas, who everybody forgets about, really good golfer, plus 1200 as well. Brooks Kepka never won this event, but has huh. won several U.S. Opens and a PGA Championship, plus 1800 So there could be some good value on Kepka as well. What happened to Spieth? Jordan Spieth, glad you asked, plus 4100 Jeez. Yeah, he is, he's down the board a little bit, two-time winner of this event he once won by so much it made me mad that i never wanted him to win again and now i feel kind of bad his career yeah. is uh he, need, he needs off. he needs to resurrect himself yeah. um it's it's I, I i felt the same way i was kind of like yeah get this young punk punk out of here and now 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 i want the comeback story a little bit <laughs> look at us journalists always wanting our narratives for ricky i want ricky to win one ricky is is Ricky not on the board? I root for Tiger and Ricky. I know you don't like Tiger. I root for Tiger and Ricky. Those are my guys. I'm not a big Ricky guy either. Uh, he's plus five thousand. So because of, of the flat bill, or have you gotten over? No, that? I don't. I don't mind. I don't care how people dress for golf. I just got kind of tired of everyone calling him the next big thing because he kept finishing in the top five, but then he never won. And so I got Fowler fatigue. Is what it was really. That's more on me than it is on him, but he really hasn't followed it up with much. So I feel, yeah. I feel correct in my, my needless, uh, you know, distaste for him. So all right, well, that was a, a little bit of a master's preview from people that generally don't know what they're talking about. So feel free to use our advice. We like Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, uh, and I don't know. Is there another name you want to throw in there as well? You think Tiger um, could do it back to back? even though he hasn't played much? No, I don't. Um, although although Tiger at Augusta, he he knows it so well, he can play – he can scrap his way to the top ten some years. Like, I've, there's been times at Augusta where he hasn't hit it well off the tee at all, and he'll scramble his way into the top ten, and I could see something like that. But that's the best I have for him, I think. Bucket list event for you? He – yeah, it's not at the top because I think what would happen, I think you would love it. Like, you'd be like, oh, man, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. But honestly, like, keeping track of the tournament while you're there, I think would actually be harder than watching it on TV. But still, yeah, I, I would love to go to it one-, one time. A bucket list item would be actually playing the course, you know, when they used to like media guys, yeah, like, uh, used to have the raffle. I-, I think even our local, uh, Tom Chattel, I think, got to play it once, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I mean, that's uh, that would be awesome. But uh, and I always wonder what I would shoot if if it was set. I think I would shoot a hundred and hundred and nine. So I asked this question to some people on uh, social media once, and they're like, "No, you'd shoot like a hundred and forty. And I was like, "I don't know if it would go that bad, but it would." I, <laughs> I I respect that it would it would be pretty ugly. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, maybe maybe if you ever get the chance, what you want is a practice round, so you, then you don't miss any of the coverage. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, we'll know we'll be able to watch Moving Day while we're writing our uh, post game of Nebraska Penn State. It'll be going on Saturday as we're uh, putting a putting a bow yeah. on that one. Normally, we're watching Brody Belt in the fourth quarter of the Red White game while that's going on. Yeah, different so. different times. 2020, always keeping us on our toes. All right, well, this is the uh, the Husker 24-7 podcast. Be sure to check out all of our stuff at Husker 24-7. Uh, we got a lot of coverage. I've got some more recruiting stuff coming up, including some virtual visits Nebraska's having with 2022 recruits as they look to flip the page to the next recruiting cycle. We'll be back on Thursday with another podcast. Uh, perhaps we'll have Michael Brunch join us if he's not too sick from eating all the pimento cheese sandwiches that he has during Masters Week. Uh, and we will have a hype cast on Friday as well. So plenty of content coming your way as you get prepared for Nebraska Penn State. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.